Welcome to the Become Fire podcast, a ministry of the Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit. If you'd like to learn more about this community, visit them on the web at www.becomefire.faith. That's dot F-A-I-T-H. Now, here are the Friars. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Become Fire podcast. It is a joyful day here in the office because he has returned the man, the myth, the legend himself, <laughs> Father Peter Teresa McConnell. I am one of those two things. <laughs> uh, but it is good to be back with all of you. Uh, yeah, this is, this is a lot of fun. Love being back. I was sad to be away. Okay, wh- where, Paul was a, where were you? What, what have you been up to? What have I been up to? That's a great question. I have been working for the past four summers on, a, on another degree, a degree in spirituality with a focus in consecrated life or a focus in religious life. That's something called the Vita Consecrata Institute, which is just Latin for uh, consecrated life. Uh, it's accredited through Christendom College in Front Royal, Virginia. So the last couple of summers I've been going there, taking some classes, studying, uh, as well as our men in formation go and, and audit the class and just get some ongoing formation. So yeah, I was down in Virginia for, for two weeks doing that. I took a class on the history of religious life. And I took a class on Mary and Joseph and the spiritual life, which was great. Had some awesome professors. Hung out with a lot of cool religious and nuns and, and brothers, and then uh, and then I was just on retreat for eight days in Black Canyon City, Arizona, uh, with a diocesan hermit, which was delightful, as you would imagine it would be. <laughs> uh, yeah, we have to do uh, probably another podcast about her- hermits. You know, yeah. a lot of people probably hear diocesan hermit and say, "What are you talking about?" This is true. Uh, but there is a a priest who was a priest of the diocese of Phoenix, but who is consecrated himself uh, as a hermit um, and is entering in living a life of, as a hermit and rule for hermit in a hermitage uh, with some uh, a retreat, kind of a, a hermitage that has some other hermitages yep. up in Black Canyon, about yep. an hour north of Phoenix. Um, well, that's wonderful. Um, give, give us one highlight from where, so you're at, in Virginia at Christendom University. Yes. Just one fun highlight. What was something that really was, it was a joy while you were up there? So this has nothing to do with the program, but uh, my last day there the brothers and I, so the two, the two novices and then uh, Brother Andre, who just made his first vows, thanks be to God. We went to the Luray Caverns uh, in the Shenandoah Mountains, and they were absolutely stunning. Um, if you're like on your computer, on your phone, just Google image Luray Caverns. Uh, this unbelievable um, formation of these stalagmites and these stalactites, these unbelievable deep chasms. Uh, just right under these beautiful rolling hills of Virginia, uh, there was this. There's some the one the thing that was like super super cool was there's like a puddle like an inch deep, but because the water's so still, um, it reflects like perfectly the the stalag tights on 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 the top, and so it's this reflection. So it looks like they're coming up out of the water, but it makes the water look like hundreds and hundreds of feet deep, wow. even though it's just an inch. Just really beautiful um, optical illusion, I guess, but just these amazing, amazing, amazing formations and just kind of cool to walk into the middle of the earth and That's awesome. see yeah. another cool part of God's creation. Yeah, it was really amazing, really amazing. We went to these caverns in Texas, um, the Carlsbad Caverns uh, when I was in school. And what's really cool about the experience I had was the exact, it was almost the exact same experience you had. There was this pool, which was so clear. Yeah. It looked like it was 10 feet deep. Yes. Like I could just dive in. 
And they're like, no, this is hundreds of feet deep. Oh, like you can wild. see the bottom as yeah. if it's just right in front of you. Yeah. But it actually was hundreds of feet deep. That's pretty wild. Uh, so yeah, they're really beautiful. That's really good. And then the beauty of God's creation. Mm-hmm. Um, it draws us mm-hmm. up to him. They were discovered actually on my birthday. Not under the year I was born, but the day I was born. Oh, like wow. Hundreds of years Which before. is coming up, by the way, to all those listening. August, yeah. this month, is the birthday month of the Father Peter Teresa McConnell. <laughs> so I'll just want to send him a letter, look up our address, August the 13th. Uh, we won't tell you how old he's going to be, but he's going to be. I just have a funny story about that. When I was a novice, my novice classmate was also born in August. And so we had a competition to see who get the most birthday cards. And I crushed him. My family okay. came through. So family members who are listening, thank you for letting me win that competition with my novice. Well, just so you get more birthday cards, we'll do a little competition here. My birthday's <laughs> in September. His is in August. So we're going to see who's going to get the most birthday this cards. Great. Father Anthony or Father Peter Teresa. I don't feel as confident. He's, he's, I, I, no, I think you're going to win. Uh, but, but I mean, a lot of my family listens. So you guys can pull through, That's send a birthday true. card my way, and uh, we'll let them, you know the results eventually. Okay. Uh, well, exciting. We're doing, once again, a requested podcast. Mm. So the past, uh, you know, one of the past ones we did the big uh, was a requested podcast. We're going to do these next two uh, are going to be requested podcasts. So very exciting. But today we're talking about A Quiet Place, uh, the movie that came out what, three years ago, four years ago, something came out like in 2018, that. the first 2018. one. 2018. Yeah. Um, and so we're, it's a little late, but the second one just came out. So maybe yeah. it's not too so late. So I feel like we don't have to give a spoiler alert. Like yeah, if you exactly. haven't seen the movie at this point, <laughs> it's two years yeah, into yeah, yeah. it, you know, <laughs> we come are. on. So. Uh, and but so, spoiler alert if you want to watch. Spoiler alert, yeah, yeah. If you yeah. do want to watch this movie, um, caveat, it is a thriller. It, it's not really a horror movie, but it has some horror elements. Definitely a thriller, not for yeah. young children to watch. Yes. If you don't, if you're easily scared, might not like it. Again, it's not really horror, but it does talk about these alien monsters that are in it. It does have some um, very intense, scary scenes. does have some a lot of intense scenes. Um, but this this was one of those movies that I remember um, I, I watched, just to kind of remind me about the movie, I watched Bishop Barron and his comments about mm-hmm. it. But one thing he said was, he was like, I was just going to a movie that people recommended. He's like, I didn't think I was going to a religiously themed movie. Mm-hmm. It's like, then I show up and it's this movie that's just dripping with religious yeah. themes. Yeah. And, and that's actually why I watch this. People are like, hey, this is a really like religiously themed mm-hmm. movie. I'm like, oh, okay. Because I wasn't really interested initially. And it was. It's, so just to give the premise for those who are unaware, it's basically um, these alien creatures have come. We don't know why they came, how they got there. But they do, the sense they have is the sense of hearing. They can't uh, see. Hyper, hypersensitive. Hypersensitive hearing. And so um, most of humanity has been killed. But those who've survived have had to learn how to survive living a completely quiet life, completely silent life. Mm-hmm. And so there's the story focuses around this family, the Abbott family. You know, surprise, surprise. They're called the Abbots, you know, living this quiet monastic life. Yeah. Um, you know, it's one of the religious themes kind of that is echoing through this, this movie. But um, they, they, they live uh, basically this, this life of quiet, this life of silence. And they start, they do sign language. It's kind of, there's scenes where they're playing a board game but they have to roll the dice onto carpet. Mm. All the, the pieces that they have are all felt pieces. Mm. You know, I think they're playing Monopoly. Yeah. Um, and so they just, everything, and they're farming, but they're not using any of the major equipment, anything else. They're just, everything yeah. they're doing is, yeah. is created this whole quiet way of life. Um, and in the movie, it goes on, and, and it kind of those the intense moments of, uh, but one of the beautiful aspects of it is they lose a child at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. You're not, not so beautiful um, because, you know, he's playing with this toy that makes noise and the, the alien uh, grabs him. But then they kind of picks up a year later and his wife is pregnant. Yeah. So and, the whole drama of the film is around. And they try to bring, her they're going to bring this new life into the world where, where you can't make noise. Mm-hmm. Like, like the screaming baby could kill all of them. Mm-hmm. 
And yet it's so pro-life, so beautifully pro-life that in the midst of this world that um, it's dangerous to have this child, it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. They bring life into the world, Mm -hmm. you know, and again, a very pro-life, you know, uh, anti-abortion, you know, uh, reality of like, we're not going to get rid of this child. We're going to bring new life into this world. They've set up this kind of whole way of life, but there's the, the drama that's, that's happening where they're willing to have life in a very extremely difficult trying circumstances where Mm -hmm. it'd be difficult to have life. Um, yeah. So if I just jump in that, like, um, so that decision to have a child in the midst of this world, um, is so countercultural that I mean, you hear a lot of people. Well, well, why would I bring a child into the world that is this broken? And and um, because life is good, life is always a gift, and life is always worth living. Um, and then just even the recognition that, given the what's happening in their world, that these aliens that you know kill people who make noise and what and all that, that um, that all of a sudden their whole world is going to have to become about like this child and protecting this child and and and, and doing all the, the the necessary things to to protect this life which is just already so fragile but but becomes even more fragile um and so you see just the the fragility of life um and then you just really see just the the vocation of a parent uh, just really now all my whole world comes and is now centered around this child and and, and keeping them safe and, and providing for them, protecting them, and and this very very dangerous dangerous world they live in. So it's a lot of a lot of beautiful things around that. Well, and I find it beautiful that their response to losing a child is to have another child. Um, there's always another movie uh, which I, I don't remember much about, so I'm not going to give a recommendation of because I think it was pretty bad language if I remember correctly. But it's been years. But Children of Men. Hmm. But just to give the premise of this movie, women can't get pregnant anymore. So the youngest person in the world is like 18 or something like that. And so no, they haven't had any kids for 18 years. Wow. And the world just devolves into chaos, right? There's all this, there's, there's like no hope. So it's just war and it's just this, this, this dystopian world where you see people like striving for the pleasure, whatever they're looking for. But the issue at hand is they lose hope because there's no children. Yeah. And, and that's how beautiful it is that to respond like, okay, we lost our, ch- our child and kind of the daughters maybe to blame for it, you know, a little bit, even though not directly, but she's kind of the, the impetus behind her, like the, the kid taking the toy that makes noise that insta- leads to the end of his life. And yet the response is not give up hope, you know, let go, well, we, don't, we can't have any more kids. This is our youngest son. He's dead. Like, what's, the, what's worth living for? What are we going to mm-hmm. bring our kids into? They're just going to have to deal with these monsters for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. Instead, it, no, our response can be hope because yeah. children bring hope. Children bring, us, bring purpose. They bring meaning. They bring a substance to our lives and how beautiful that is. Yeah. What's interesting you mentioned about the oldest daughter is that um, that she is deaf. Um, so she's the oldest child, she's deaf. And what that has actually enabled the family to do is that prior to this, they presumably learned sign language so they could communicate with her. So um, And so she is not aware that this toy makes noise and gives it to her younger brother and that's what happens. Um, and And but but without her, you know, quote unquote deficiency, the family actually wouldn't be equipped to actually survive in this world. That that her her weakness is actually a gift and a strength for the family in this time. So there's this real beautiful sort of just um just kind of reversal of this thing that, you know, is so often looked upon and it is. I mean, it's it's a loss if you can't hear, but but how 
in, in God's providence, it, it can be used for actually a, a strength. And, and, and then we know that from the gospel, that's true. That Yeah. Well, and that's, since we're on the, the theme, I, I think the beautiful, one of the beautiful things they do in the movie is talk about the relationship between mother and father and son and daughter. Yeah. No, it's incredible. Uh, it, it's oh, it's, it's really, part. really beautiful. Yeah. Um, and so the the daughter obviously is living in guilt. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. So we see the beginning of the movie, she's she blaming herself for the death. And so we see, again, we're a year later, and for her whole life, she's been blaming herself. Right. And finally, the the son tells us to his dad, like, you know, you know, your daughter just blames herself for the death of of her brother, mm-hmm. and she did, she doesn't think you love her anymore. Like she doesn't think you care about her anymore. She thinks mm-hmm. she thinks she thinks you blame her, and she thinks it's her fault, and she thinks you don't love her. And um, you know how beautiful that that the end of the movie, one of the last scenes in the movie, is the father there, um, and he is. Oh, and I guess I, so I want to add to that because you're going to talk about this scene. So I'm just going to go right to it. Then I can add Yeah, it. sure. Because the daughter, like, so the father needs to go uh, get to fish, yeah. right? To gather supplies, right? And so he's going hunting. He's going fishing to get some meats, you know, bring back to the kids. And, uh, and he wants to take his son, right? He wants to, to t- teach his son, you know, how to do this. Yeah. But the son is scared. The son's frightened. The son doesn't yeah. want to do it. He's scared of the monsters. Uh, but the daughter is like, I'll do it. Like, bring me, dad. And the dad is like, no. And she takes that as rejection. Mm-hmm. She takes that as, well, dad doesn't love me. Dad doesn't care about me. Um, which I don't think that's what happened at all. For sure. Yeah, that's right. Um, but I'm going to let you, this is your, one of your favorite scenes. I'm going to let you just go from there. Yeah, this is my favorite scene in the whole movie. And it um, it was really moving the, the when I watched it the first time is where dad wants to take his son, who's what, 10, 11 maybe, out out into the wilderness, um, away from the safety of home, um, to fish and, and to go get food and supplies for the film that they need for survival. And, and he doesn't want to go. He's scared. He wants to, to stay in the security of home. And so he's having a conversation with mom and, and mom is being so sweet and so tender with him and so gentle with him. And you just see the, um, the real beauty of of maternity and motherhood and femininity just shining through um, to get him to come out of himself. And then finally she asks him, because uh, he doesn't want to go with dad, but she asks him, uh, will you go for me? Uh, will you go with your dad for me to keep me safe, to protect me, um, that I need you um, to learn how to be a man so that, you know, God forbid anything were to happen to your father that, you know, that you'll be able to take care of me in my, my old age. Um, and, and that's enough for him to, to go out with dad. Um, and that you see just her motherhood, her maternity, uh, just her femininity, just pulling out just the manhood and the masculinity of, of her boy son um, and, 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 and making him into a man. Um, and, and bringing him into maturity in her own way, that that's how she does it. And dad's going to do it another way. Dad's going to take him out into the woods. Dad's going to teach him how to fish. Dad's going to teach him skills. Dad's going to spend some time with them and, and teach him how to be a man in that way. And so that he needs both of them. He needs, need, he needs uh, both mom and he needs uh, both dad to, to teach him how to be a man in, in very different ways. That, that part of, of what his role is going to be is, is to, to, to be strong physically um, and, and to be capable to, to take care of, of, of mom and, and, and how mom lets him do that and how mom wants him to do that. Um, so um, it was just, it was just, it's, it's a beautiful scene between a mother and a son. Um, 
and you just see all of her strength, um, all of her feminine strength just on display. And uh, you see a lot of her feminine strength displayed throughout the entire movie. She is uh, an incredible heroine throughout. And so she's a great character. But how important that is for our, our gender roles. Yeah, no, you know, for that sure. We need men to be men and women to be women. Mm-hmm. Right, we, no, we, it's con- and the fact that it's like controversial to say that today is is kind of crazy. Well, that, and the fact that like the older daughter wanted to go, mm-hmm. right? But the father and the mother both knew, no, we got to teach our son. Yeah. Like he has to carry this. Mm-hmm. Like he has to be, why? Because he's just going to be physically stronger one day. Mm-hmm. He's just going to be able to, you know, uh, to be able to carry this family if need be. Mm-hmm. And he has to be the one to take this role, to, to take his role as a man in the family. Yeah. And so beautiful, the father takes him out and they I go to this waterfall. The waterfall's making all this noise. And so the father starts like talking and like screaming like real loud. Yeah. And the son just starts like scared. He just gets all like yeah. really, really emotional and scared because like making noise could kill you. And father's mm-hmm. like, no, actually the waterfall protects us. Like it's so loud they can't hear us. And like he's just teaching his son throughout this. And, he, and, and the, the, but the son has to go out there to, to learn these lessons. Yep. He has to go out with the father. Yeah. Uh, I know we need to go out with our father, yeah. but men need to be men, men, women, do, women yeah. need to be women. Um, and how they let them do this. But then speaking of that, the father does die. Mm-hmm. Right, so getting back to the, to the father-daughter role, the, the daughter is like, he doesn't love me, he won't take me out. And so somehow the daughter, yeah. you know, is, is taking on all the all these things as the rejection of the father. Yeah, and which obviously is not what the father's doing. The father's trying to teach the son, mm-hmm. um, but she takes it as rejection. Uh, but at the end of the movie, um, there's a monster. Long story short, they're at, he's at a car. The kids are, you know, they they're kind of trapped. The monster's there. He's like trying to get in. They're, they're, they're scared. And so the father, the only way he can protect them is to get the monster away from the car. Mm-hmm. And so he has to make noise. And so he, has to, he ends up screaming and the monster comes away from the car and goes and, and kills the father. Um, offering his life. It's this very beautiful kind of sacrificial, no good or love to lay down your life yeah. for a friend. Like yeah. a father sacrificing his life for his kids um, who end up surviving because the father does this. Mm-hmm. But in that, before he dies, he looks at yeah, his daughter yeah, yeah. And he makes sign language to her, telling her, saying, I love you, and I have always yeah. loved you. Right? Just eliminating that doubt, eliminating any, any aspect in her life that might think, dad didn't love me, dad rejects me, dad doesn't care. And not only does he say it, it's, a, it's one thing to like make this sign, but he does it through his action. Mm-hmm. His very action is saying, I love you so much, I'm going to offer my life for you. I want you to live. Right? I want you to survive. And so I'm going to do... The, I'm going to do the thing needed, necessary in this moment for you to live. Yeah. And that means I've, I'm going to sacrifice my life. Yeah. And it's so true for all of us that that we've done things in our lives that we're ashamed of, or or perhaps there are, are, are parts of our personalities or whatever that, that, that bring us shame. And so she had this great shame and guilt around the fact that she felt responsible for giving this toy to her younger brother. Although it was an honest mistake. How could she have known that this toy made noise? She can't hear. She, there's, so she's, she's not responsible for it. It's a tragic accident, but, but she, she is shaming herself and guilting her for it and, and, and thinks that she is now incapable of her father's love. And, and isn't that all of us? Um, that, that we think that we're incapable of our Heavenly Father loving us because of what we've done. Uh, and, and, and who we think we are and, and that, that the father proves his love to us by, by laying down his life for us and, and he sends us his son to lay down his life for us to, to show us that um, he has loved us and he has always loved us, um, that he lays down his life for us by, give, by, by, laying, by the son coming, becoming one of us and laying down his life for us. And what's so beautiful after that, that too is that they find themselves in, in their father's basement 
Um, and she begins to see sort of behind the scenes all of these different um, ear implants that dad was working on to try to fix her hearing. Um, and just all the ways in which behind the scenes that all dad was thinking about was her. Um, and all the ways behind the scenes that, that dad was just loving for her and caring for her. Um, and that she never knew that. She wasn't privy to that. Um, and, and dad didn't want her to see all of his failures that he, he, he hadn't found the right, you know, uh, you know, cochlear implant for her. But, but she's able to see then just her father's love and by dying for her, but then also just um, all the ways in which he's always been thinking about her, always been caring for her. And it's, um, it's this really beautiful scene of just a, a father's love for a daughter. We talked about the mother's love for the son and just the, um, just how beautiful that, that is and that was in that, that movie. Yeah. And just a couple of final notes, uh, I think, that are so important. One is um, just that, that he's really emphasizing, as we talked about the time, a quiet place. Yeah. You know, this call to silence. Mm-hmm. That the, the family has bonded around and formed a way of life around quiet. Mm-hmm. And that's what monastics have done for years. You know, that the religious life has done is that it's formed a life around silence, around quiet, and how much it's needed in our day and age. How much it's, and it is a really quiet movie. So yes. All the time they're doing sign, you're just getting the, the words at the bottom. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of talking, not a lot of noise. It's a very quiet movie that kind of draws you in. And this <clears throat> real flashbang kind of, you know, bigger, bigger explosions, the better kind of theatrical uh, cinema that we have right now. Here is this quiet movie mm-hmm. that's that's really trying to tell a story about living a quiet life. And, and I think, you know, how much does does the the author um, know what he's tell what he's telling? How much is he recognizing, uh, try, intentionally doing what he's doing? But <clears throat> it seems um, so beautifully this message that says. We need quiet in our lives. Mm-hmm. We need silence in our lives. Like we've got all the machines to do the, the big things and make all the noise and everything else, but it's actually, it's the things that make noise that kill us, Yeah, that drown out and how like the monsters are there, right? They're trying to get a hold of us in the noise. And that's what the father wants us to be in silence. God wants us to live in the quiet because that's where he speaks. And we are so afraid of silence. We're so yeah. afraid of quiet yeah. because we're afraid of the father's voice. Mm-hmm. So we fill our lives up with noise. But in reality, it's kind of the demons are lurking. Right, they, these monsters are kind of like demons, you know, in a sense of like they're they're they they're using the noise. They're attacking like noise is what's what's what they're attack attaching themselves to. Yeah, because when we're so filled with noise, we don't have quiet. We don't have quiet. We can't hear the Father's voice. Yeah, and so it's a call in our lives to silence, to quiet. And just one scene, there's the the this then the traumatic moment. The mother is she's giving like she's gone into contractions. Her water is broken. Not to get the baby. The father's off with the son fishing on his way back. And she, she's got to get to this like quiet basement to go give birth. And she's walking down. She steps on a nail. Yeah, no, it's- It's a really like heart-raising scene. It's just, and it's like everything within her wants to just scream, mm-hmm. right? Because she's like in, in pain, Yeah. right? And, and she, But she knows if she screams, like not just is her life in danger, her, her, the life in her womb is yeah. in danger and her whole family's in danger. Yeah. And so she has to hold her strength together to enter into the quiet. Yeah. And this call for us that it takes a lot of strength to be quiet. It does. It takes, it's easier to make noise, especially with somebody else. So someone else in the room, you're kind of like, hey, you know, you kind of like make small talk. You just want to, like, it's really hard to sit with someone in quiet, mm-hmm. with God, and then with others. But this call that I think the movie, this theme in the movie, we've got to be able to be quiet. We've got to be able yeah. to sit with somebody in the same room and live in, and be in that deep silence. Yeah. Not of like the tension of like, I don't want to talk to you, but the true sincere, like, we can be together in quiet because we let the Lord, the Holy Spirit speak. Yeah. And most importantly, with that, with God. 
No, yeah, you just, she's great. She's a great character. And you just see just how strong she is. You know what I mean? Just, she just steps on this nail and just, I mean, she is tough. Um, and, and just what, you just see a mother's strength, you know, to protect this child that she's trying to give birth to. And so it is, for, for me, I think it, it, it really highlights um, just what, what masculine strength looks like, what feminine strength looks like, how those things are so beautifully complementary to make a family. Um, it's not perfect. Uh, it's still broken, you know, um, that, but it, it's, it's, it's really, really beautiful. Yeah. Uh, men be men, women be women. Yeah. And that's how you grow a family. Like mm -hmm. men being men, women being women, and them growing together as father and mother to bring what masculine brings to the family, to bring what feminine brings to the family and, and, and actually deepens the, who, the, who the children become because they're seeing what true femininity, true masculinity yeah. is. Um, there has been a second white place. Um, so it's out there in, in theaters. Uh, I have seen it. Um, it's, it, it, I, it's, not, it's good. It's not as good. But just one thing I want to point to, uh, sorry, I won't do a podcast on it. It's just, I think he, t he keeps the same theme as far as there's, there's kind of a weak male character. Mm. Like I was, it's, it's a new character, character we haven't met from the first movie. Yeah. He's kind of broken. He's really been broken. He survived. Yeah. But he's the only one who survived from his family. Mm. And he's a really broken guy. And he doesn't want to be kind of a man anymore. He's kind of just hiding. Yeah. And, and, and the same thing that, that through um, this, this great, you know, Mrs. Abbott, this great call, she draws him out of, his, out of this brokenness yeah. to healing, to be the man he needs to be. And to be, being, by being the man he needs to be, saving, you know, the family. And just I got that, another beautiful kind of theme they're drawing out yeah. of like, you know, that men being men, women being women, yeah. but this call. Um, so there you go. The Quiet Place. It's been out for a while. Yeah. Um, if you haven't seen it and you're over the age of 15 or so, uh, you'll probably highly enjoy it. Yeah, for um, sure. That was a very uh, good movie. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. Um, but uh, that's it for us for today. We just have our final question. Yeah, it's good to be back. It's good to be back. You know, all these are. final questions are you know, great. Hey, you've missed them for a while. I know. You know, we gotta, we gotta we, we don't know the, your answers to all these. You have to go back and listen to them <laughs> and tell us all your answers for all the questions that you've missed. Um, and I guess just in this, you know, the beautiful, um, kind of cold to quiet, maybe, maybe a story about mom. We talked about the feminine her oh, her heroism, you know, we talked about dads, kind of, kind of great memories with dads, but yeah. maybe seeing the strength of this woman, you know, in this movie, maybe a, a, a moment where you just, you saw mom's femininity at work and the strength of mom, and it just really, really touched you. Yeah. No, I have a very strong mother. Uh, she, she would prefer to remain behind the scenes, so she probably wouldn't want me to tell any story on the air right now. <laughs> so, uh, um, there is a, there's one story where, where she just kind of in that similar vein where uh, I was, I was 16 years old and I was just acting a fool. And, uh, and I was, it was, <laughs> I think I had like, I had a report card like came back for like midway through like my semester, my, my, my art class in high school. And I think I had like a D in, in art, <laughs> you know what I mean? And like to get a D in art, like you really have to try. Yeah, that's, to that's get, effort. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and uh, but 16 was kind of a rough year for me. And um, I just remember she gave me some really tough love in the kitchen one night. And uh, she gave me some really tough love. And uh, coming from mom, it like, um, 
It did. It, it made me want to be a responsible man and not just act like an idiot. And, uh, and so that was definitely a formative moment for me. Um, and I do remember that very, very clearly. And I remember exactly what she said to me. And, uh, and it was exactly what I needed to hear to kind of just um, snap me out of just being an immature boyish 16-year-old and, and to taking responsibility for my life and not failing art class in high school. <laughs> so I, I, I was a very formative moment for me. It was a very important moment for me. It was a very uh, kind of a turning point for me. So that was definitely her being very, very strong with me, but in a, a beautiful maternal way. That's beautiful. I have, I have a few that come to mind. Uh, Mom, I know she's listening. So, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but I, but I just one that I don't know. You just kind of the one that you, yeah. know, you just take the one that's on the top of your head. And you yeah. just go with it. But I remember. So I changed schools fourth grade to fifth grade. I went from kind of the the Catholic grade school um, in, into Cistercian, you know, which is a fifth grade. Really, mm. really hard. Like Cistercian, you actually have to study. And I I never learned how to do homework. You know, I never learned how to study, mm-hmm. you know, especially fourth grade. I just kind of got by, did the minimum, the bare minimum, and was doing fine. You know, pretty much all A's, if if maybe some B's, but yeah, you know, it was it was kind of never had actually practiced. It's done, done school, and then we get to Cistercian, and like you actually have to do work, like you actually have to study, <laughs> right? You actually have to, and I never learned how. Yeah, and uh, and I remember my mom, God bless her, um, that she like I, I went through like the first quarter, and it didn't tell, it didn't, you know, it didn't really talk about it. it just was like right struggling through and thought I was doing fine, you know, but I would just wouldn't study for tests and just go and like, I've always done fine on them. Why wouldn't I do fine now? And I, my, my first report card was pretty abysmal. I don't remember what it was, but it was not good. And so my mom who like worked at the school, mm-hmm. she goes, you had to get up, get me up, feed me, you know, get me going, take oh, me yes. to school, work, all, work all, work all, yeah, work all day. Yeah. And then we would come home and she'd cook dinner, feed me. And then she would sit down with me Yeah. and we would go by assignment by assignment you know, thing by thing. And she would help me study for tests. She would help me, you know, for, for a whole, anyway, for the rest of the quarter, like that whole second quarter, how many months that was, a few months where she just every day would sit down after wow. school, you know, That's and then weekends and keep, yeah, just keep. Yeah. And then I was actually talking about the feminine masculine. And finally, after, you know, that, the, like it was probably got through that, the, that semester and, and started getting my grades back up. And then sometime in that third quarter and kind of remember my dad coming in and I was like, okay, mom, this stuff I have to do. I was like, kind of like telling her, like, here's what I have to do tonight. Yeah. And dad's like, no, son, it's time for you to go start studying. Yeah. You know, and the dad is kind of like stepped in. It's like, mom's done her role. Yep. She helped you through this time. Yeah. You got you ready. And now it's time for you to go <laughs> and, like, and do it on your own now. Yeah. And, uh, but I just remember that was, that was really important for me because I didn't, like, I, I don't know if I would have known how to, like, yeah. get through that time on my own. Like, That's I need beautiful. mom to, like, Draw, like show me like I had the ability to do it. I just had mm-hmm. to do it. Cause you get that first report yeah. card. You're like, I can't do it. Yeah. Like I'm failing. I like, I'm getting all these C's and D's. I've only got A's and B's. Like I don't know how to do this. Like I'm just, I'm not good enough. Yeah. And mom had to like draw it out. So thank That's you, mom. Beautiful. God yes, bless you. Thank you, mom. And uh, thank you, Lisa. We love you. We love you, Lisa. We love you, <laughs> Kathleen. Um, so thank you for being with us. Uh, just may the Lord bless you and keep you. May make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. Turn his countenance towards you and give you his peace. And may Almighty God bless you as I bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Have a great day. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Become Fire podcast. The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit can be found online at www.becomefire.faith. That's .f-a-i-t-h. The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit are also a 501c3 charitable organization. If you feel called in any way to give financially to their mission, please go to www.becomefire.faith slash give. That's becomefire.faith slash give. May the Lord give you his peace. We'll see you next time.